Evidence again illustrates that emotion clearly outweighs fact. World War I was clearly a fact. But the remembrance of it, the remembrance we go through today, and today is Anzac Day, is driven almost entirely by emotion. Mentioning Anzac Day with even the merest hint of criticism brings the world down upon your shoulders. It's almost sacrosanct. You just do not touch it. It's with a huge degree of cautiousness that I step into the Anzac Day debate. Emotional-driven events such as Anzac Day draw almost unquestioned and unchallenged support from local, state and federal governments. This morning's Anzac service in Shepparton had two or 3,000 people, and I just wonder if we attempted to do something about the climate crisis, a crisis which could desecrate the country and could be equally serious, if not more serious, than World War I, World War II and everything else together, would draw the same crowd. Well, we'd be lucky to draw two or three people, let alone two or three thousand. And of course, if you had it at six o'clock in the morning, you may not even get two or three people. You might be there on your own. So what's happening here? Well, wars are largely remote from our experiences. They always seem to happen somewhere else. What's presently happening in Ukraine is not in the past. It's happening right now, but it is somewhere else, and it's not really our business directly. Whereas climate change is right here, right now, in our front yard. And it's in the future, and it's something we can do something about. Our acknowledgement of the Anzacs is rather passive. We don't really have to do much. Whereas attending to the climate crisis requires action. It requires us to become activists. It requires us to think about how we live, and so maybe live differently. Talking about Anzac Day can dump you into a bottomless pit or a seemingly bottomless pit of controversy, so let's leave that now. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations, and within that, quick climate links. I'm your host, Robert McLean. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Let's listen to Greta Thunberg where she's talking about helping kids with climate anxiety and there'll be a link to this in the show notes. Adults keep saying we owe it to the young people to give them hope. But I don't want your hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I wanted to feel the fear I feel every day. And then I wanted to act. I wanted to act as if you would in a crisis. I wanted to act as if the house was on fire. Because it is. Hot Takes is back with us, and there'll be a link to this podcast in the show notes. Welcome to Hot Take, the podcast where we explore the climate crisis and all the ways we're talking and not talking about it. I'm Amy Westervelt. And I'm Mary Anies Hedler, and I'm so glad to be back with you in earnest. Yes, I'm so glad to be back on the air or whatever we're calling the pod waves. I know, it's been a minute. Yeah, 
damn near a year, and a lot has happened in that time. It really has. But we wanted to take this episode to welcome back our old listeners and welcome in our new listeners by talking about the thing that really drives this podcast and to a huge degree, our friendship, Rage Against the Fossil Fuel Machine. Yep. One of the biggest reasons people stay out of the climate fight is because they're beset with all this guilt because the fucking oil companies have framed them for their own ecocide. That's genocide on a planetary <laughs> level for those who don't know. Yeah, it's on some whoever smelt it, dealt it type shit. Right, but really, it's whoever denied it, supplied it. Very mature. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's time to reframe this shit. So without any further ado, I think it's time. It's time to talk about climate. Now, please don't forget to check out the show notes for a link to that podcast. Next, we have Gillian Bowen from the podcast, Making Money Easy. It's Season 2, Episode 16, Climate Action, Do We Have Time? She says climate change can feel overwhelming. What does net zero by 2050 mean for Australia, our economy, the businesses that operate here, and the people who live here? You'll find a link to that podcast in the show notes. Hello. Welcome to Making Money Easy. Is the climate on your mind? Wondering what's going on with it? What action's being taken? What you can do? How it'll impact the economy? And what role does the federal election play? The CSIRO says Australia's changing climate represents a significant challenge to individuals, communities, governments, businesses, industry and the environment. And we've all seen the pictures in recent times of devastating floods along the East Coast and before that intense and deadly bushfires and, of course, drought. A story from today's Melbourne Age headed, For the Doomers, this election isn't changing the climate. The story says, Young voters who fear they will see the climate apocalypse in their lifetimes say Australia's major political parties are ignoring climate change in the federal election. As experts warn, the world must take action immediately. The doomers, people who believe the world is doomed due to humanity's lack of action on climate change, say they are struggling to live their lives knowing no one in power appears to care enough to fix the crisis. You'll find a link to that story in the show notes. We've reached the end of today's Quick Climate Links, or at least the audio section of Quick Climate Links. But please don't forget to check out the show notes, as you'll find lots of links in there to help you better understand the climate crisis. Thanks so much for your company, and until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Mm-hmm.